I want you to follow me very closely as I read the scripture this morning. I want you to notice the words, everything I'm reading. It's quite a long lesson. I'm not going to read all of it. I'd like to read about two or three chapters if I was a good reader, but I'm not. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all that believed were together and all, had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all, according as any man had need. Now, that's always scriptural, according as a man has need. Uh, God's interested in the needs of uh, especially his own people. He's interested in not the wants always, but the needs. My God shall supply all your needs according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We've accepted so many false standards that uh, we've just fallen for them. For instance, there's a standard in uh, education, association, that uh, a man with a Ph.D. at the head of a department, even though he may be a single man, should have a larger salary than a man with an M.A. in the department if that man has a big family. Well, now, that's all right for the world, but if a Christian institution has an ample amount of money, then the Christian institution should see to it that the M.A.'s needs are taken care of before the Ph.D.'s salary is increased. God's interested in the needs of everybody. And you're going to find out someday when you stand in the presence of the Lord that your needs have been supplied. You may not know it now all the time, but he doesn't hold back what you need and probably what's happened to you is just what you need. As I look back over the years of my life, I'm convinced that the things that have happened to me were the things I needed. The hardest things ever happened to me. The darkest hours of my life. As I look back over the years were the things I, as I see them now, were the things I needed. We're going to learn a lot when we get to heaven. And day by day, continue steadfastly with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread at home, and they took their food with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God. And having favor with all the people. My, it looks like they're going to take the world, doesn't it? Favor with everybody. Notice these words. And the Lord added them day by day those that were saved. Now I'll start the third chapter of the Acts of Apostles. Those from the last verse of the second chapter. Now Peter and John were going up into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man that was lame from his brother's womb was carried to whom they laid date at the door of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked to receive alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, that I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he took him up by the hand, right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered with them in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. What a demonstration. Talk about excitement and emotional religion. But this man sure stepped around. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they took knowledge of him that it was he that sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened on him. And as he held Peter and John, all the people ran together on them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wandering. And Peter, when he saw it, uh, answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel at ye at this man? Or why fasten ye your eyes on us as though by our own power or godliness we had made him the war? Then he goes on and relates the story of how Jesus died and rose and so on and so on. 
Now, uh, young people, I read these verses this morning, and they got a new grip on me. And I want to talk to you about it for just a minute. You know, you need these verses. I'm trying more and more in my preaching, not only to give you what you need now, but something you're going to need someday. You know, the things that have helped me most along the way of life were things that I didn't especially need when I heard them. But I remembered them. And I came later to see now I need those things. You know, we forget that about truth. They hid the word of God in their heart. They might not sin against God. You have verses of Scripture stored up in your heart if you're a Christian that you may not especially need today. They may not fit the issues of this hour or the conditions that you face now. But someday you reach in and pull out there of your heart something stored up that you need. Now I'm talking to you about what you need now that you may have it when you do need it, probably worse later in years to come. Now, we'll notice what took place. Peter and John had been through the most wonderful epochs in the history of the world. You know, we read these things in the Bible and pass them over lightly. But I want you to remember something. They'd been with Jesus Christ for three years. They had uh, seen the hour of tragedy when he went to a cross. They'd walked out on him. They couldn't be found. Peter swore he hadn't seen him. They went through those lonely days when Jesus' body was in the sepulchre. They went through the glorious manifestation when the report came he'd been raised by dead, and later they came in touch with him. Those were great things. Suppose you'd lived with somebody three years. Somebody you'd come to love, and somebody that held you in the grip of a personality. Somebody that you'd never seen do anything wrong. Somebody that spake as never man speak, and then one day that somebody was cast out by a wicked world and died on a cross. And three days later, you heard the man wasn't dead at all, but he was up from the dead. You know, we just don't let this thing grip us right. And uh, there were those uh, days of loneliness, those three days. And yet, this side of the cross and this side of the tomb, they touched him. Then they'd gone through the wonderful experience uh, when Jesus went back to heaven. Talk about a dramatic occasion. There never has been a more dramatic occasion in the history of the world than this. Up there on a mountaintop, uh, Jesus is talking to them. And all at once he stretches out his hands to bless them and begins to climb up through space, a stairway they couldn't see. And they watched him. And the clouds stepped to one side, aparted, and the worlds moved out and saluted, and they watched him go up. And he went on back after he told them, and they were assured as they listened to him that he was coming back because they had a messenger to tell them. All right, keep that in your mind. Now then, the day of Pentecost was fully come. All these experiences piled up one after another, one after another. And this great occasion, the like of which in some ways the world never knew, they were assembled together in the prayer meeting. And as they prayed, the power of God came down, cloven tongues of fire. And the place was filled with the glory of God. And conviction took hold of people. And they began to cry out, what must we do to be saved? What must we do to be saved? And they received the power and gift of the Holy Ghost. What an occasion. Now then, what happened after all this? Well, sooner or later you settle down to the routine of life. You go to Bible conferences, attend evangelistic meetings, come home and talk about things out of this world, but you coming back into the world. Sooner or later you settle down to routine. Ordinary everyday affairs come back to you. What are you going to do with them? You know, it's not easy to wash dishes, clean house, darn socks, 
It's not easy to get up at a certain hour in the morning. I've tried it. Six o'clock, whether you sleep well or not, up, get ready for radio broadcast. It's not easy for the routine of life. Never is easy. But sooner or later, everybody gets there, and you get there sooner or later yourself. Can't escape. So they settled down routine. What did they do? They stayed busy. Listen just a minute. I want to drive this truth home to you so you'll never forget it. You can't take a vacation away from God Almighty's work for your life and not backslide. The moment that you settle down on a vacation and check off your prayer dates with God, check off the ordinary things that you have to have to build yourself up, you're going to lose out with God. A many a man has backslidden after a great revival, great manifestation of the power of God. And then you go out in the routine of life and backslide and just check God off. Now we read here they were busy. House to house, going to the temple, kept busy. No spectacular things were happening, but they were busy. Moving around for God, busy all the time, busy. Oh, blessed is a man that stays busy. You know that old statement, to idle brains, the devil's workshop, is absolutely true. Idleness is a curse. You can go to hell on a bus from here to Chicago. On a hilarious vacation to New York City, you can go to hell. Many folks have gone there. Nice, good folks at home, here in the campus, the school. Class to meet, bells are ringing, regular time scheduled for meal, all these things going on. Then sooner or later the vacation season came. You better watch out how you take a vacation. Listen just a minute. You can't get out of character as a Christian and not suffer consequences. Now you may stand on this platform to sing the gospel. And you may not sing that same song with the same accompaniment on a bus going home or in a train somewhere. Maybe occasions where it wouldn't be the proper thing to kneel down the aisle to pray. I saw a man one time that knelt in the aisle behind the curtain, stuck his feet out. People stumbled, had to stumble over and go by him to pray. I don't think God expects that of you. I don't think it's right for a man to block the traffic on a Pullman sleeper by getting down the aisle to pray. Other people there with liberties and rights. Has no right to do it. I don't think a man has a right to walk into a diner on a dining car and cry out loud in a prayer to God. Disturb the routine of the dining room. God Almighty has good sense, and God Almighty is no friend of that kind of parade. God's against it. Pharisees that stand up and pray, we thank God we're not like other men. But on the highway, in an automobile, on a train, in a plane, on a ship at sea, wherever you go, you've got to keep your contact with God Almighty. You're going to find you get away from here, it isn't easy for some of you. You know, if you can backslide on this campus, God be merciful to you when you get away from you. There's more here to help you than, and less to hurt you in any place I've ever been. I've been around my lifetime. There are fewer temptations and fewer things to hurt you and more things to help you in any place I've ever known in my life. This place is organized that in view. Everything, the very fact you are busy. Listen, most people in this country don't realize that the stimulating day in, day out schedule of this school, this stimulating schedule is one of the things that's essential to your growth. 
spiritual. Somebody said, I don't have time to pray. Listen just to me. Who said that? Don't have time. Maybe be alone much you ought to. Who said you've got to be alone to pray? Some of the finest praying that I've ever known some people do have been the hour of temptation in public crowds. I had a girl say one time, Dr. Bob, I faced temptations and difficulties. And she told me about those temptations and difficulties. Said, you never knew anything like what surrounded me. I said, what did you do? She said, I just talked to God in the midst of it. You can talk to God anyway. You know, a girl told me on the train that uh, one time she's going home this school Christmas. So I learned something. I learned when you got in a train with a bunch of men in it that were whirly with whiskey on their breath. Wild young fellas that think they've got a right to freight every girl comes around. That I've got a contempt for these fellas that have that attitude towards life. No refinement, no decent. So I just tell you what I did. I just got my Bible and went to read. They looked my Bible and passed me up. She had good sense. She was arming herself against the hour of temptation. This, she wasn't exposing herself to temptation. You've already gone to hell when you unnecessarily expose yourself to temptation. A drunkard that walks down the street and passes a saloon to smell the liquor when he's got a weakness for drink and stands there and smells it's already gone to hell. He's supposed to flee from the temptations that come to him. But you sell down routine of life and was here. Pentecost is over. Christ has gone back to heaven. They'd seen all those glorious things. They'd touched the body of a risen Christ and had food with him. And they'd heard him speak with the same tongue after he rose from the dead they spoke with before he went to the tomb. All those glorious things. But now it's routine. Go over here and have a prayer meeting. Nothing spectacular about that. And now we find him at this place. The hour of prayer had come. Just a commonplace hour. Wasn't 3,000 people in the room. Wasn't great singing, just ordinary prayer hour. I've said to many a time, if Peter and John had been like the average person, John had said, Peter, you're going to pray me. Yeah, we better go, John. Well, it's going to be awfully dull up there. Old brother so-and-so will be there, and he'll pray the same prayer that he's been praying for the last 30 years. Some of them are awful dull. I remember one time an old man in my country told God the same thing over and over, told God who he was, told God how wonderful he was. Same old language. Always said we'd come before you in the humblest manner we've ever been taught, on bended knee, earnestly offering our supplications. He had all well worded in his country way. Then he said, forgive us of our trespasses. Things we've done we shouldn't have done, the things we left undone we should have done. And he just kept on, 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 on. I used to kneel on one knee and then on the other. Couldn't look around. If I did, I got a whipping. <laughs> but it didn't make it easy for me when I was a child. Thank God they didn't. Benching was not easy to sit in. I heard people talk about going to sleep in church. You couldn't sleep in the church I attended. You never could get comfortable enough. You know, I'm against cushion pews anyhow. We've got a way of trying to make everybody too comfortable. They in religion anyway. Getting so comfortable is easy. Sit there and they're made comfortable enough by most of the preachers in this country without cushioning the benches for them. So uh, I remember when I was converted, I made a mind to do whatever I was supposed to do. And I went to prayer And They said, call me Bobby. He said, Bobby, will you lead in prayer? I got on my knees. I'd heard the old fellows pray. 
And uh, I started off like the old man did. Everybody knew his prayer. He had been handed down for two or three generations before. <laughs> and I started in on it. Come for you the humblest matter we've ever been told. That did he. I went on talking to that. Father got to praying for the widows and orphans. They always got many. God bless the widows and orphans and the distressed and the oppressed in mind and body. I remember the word. And I needed that prayer for myself. But I was awfully distressed. I kept thinking how am I going to close it. I didn't remember how to lead up to the close. God bless the widows and orphans and distressed their breast and mind and body. And I forgot it for my own. I started back with the widows and the orphans and prayed for them again. And I kept repeating, God bless the widows and orphans and distressed their breast and mind and body. And I... Couldn't think the next thing the old man said, and I went back to see her with her. And talked to God for her, and then to pray for the off. You'd have thought everybody in that country was either with her or not. <laughs> and after a while, in not knowing what to do or how to do it, and something had to be done, I couldn't stay with the widows forever. <laughs> and I couldn't live with orphans forever. I stopped between a widow and an orphan and just said, Amen, and got up. <laughs> Some of those prayer means awfully dull, and you're going to be in a lot of dull places in life. I don't imagine anything very thrilling at this prayer meeting. I can imagine Peter saying, John, it's going to be awfully tame. We're going up to the dullest place you ever saw in your life. Think of Pentecost. Wasn't that a great meeting? Say, John, will you ever forget the time? that Jesus left us on the mount. What well, that a glorious picture when he went up. But uh, John says, Peter, we have a date with God. He's praying, meeting the ninth hour. We've got to keep our date with God all night. We've got a date with him. So when the hour came, they went up to the prayer meeting. They got there. Say, if you'll keep your dates with God Almighty, you'll find a thrill at some of those dates. Sometime God Almighty will reward you for the grinding routine dating. So there's all this crippled for He looked up at him, he said, They must be good people, they're going to worship. And he said, Give me something, please. Peter and John felt in their pockets, said, You know, we we haven't got anything. Yes, we have. We've got something better than money. We're going to fix you up so we can make a living. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up. And the man got up and went into that temple leaping and bounding and praising God. Listen. Listen. If you break your dates with God, there are cripples in the world will never walk. That's the reason there's so many cripples in this country. Go to big meetings. This is a big meeting. I'm not interested. Well, God Almighty won't use you long if that's your attitude. I told you over and over, we're going crazy in this country about bigness. Bigness, bigness, bigness. Oh, yeah, bigness. Out of this world, so big, so wonderful. Then there was a bigger thing ever happened than this. 
Nothing more miraculous took place on the day of Pentecost than this. It was no more miraculous for Jesus Christ to climb through clouds and beyond suns back to heaven than this. It was no more miraculous for Jesus Christ to be raised by the dead than this. Here, in the power of a risen Christ, a crippled man that never had walked was cured in a moment because two men kept their dates with God. Now, Christmas time's coming. It's right on you. Two weeks from day, you'll probably be at home. And you'll go out of a warm spiritual atmosphere into the chilly blasts of a world, cold. And you are going to find temptations that some of you thought you'd forgotten. Better, listen what you better do. You better start in now to build in your soul and heart and mind an immunity that will let you take the routine things of life and be faithful to God Almighty. Now, it may be that I'll talk on this again tomorrow. Not sure. I'm taking the chapel program this week, and for the last three days, these Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I want to give you a setting that fits the American situation. But I think I'll stop here because I haven't time to finish. But I'd like for you to read the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles and the third chapter before we come back tomorrow. Read them. There are great many sermons here you preachers get out of. Can you imagine the excitement? When the crowd passed by and they said, Look yonder, that's the poor fellow been bringing him here every day. Look at him. And the story spread, and Peter and John dealt with the crowd, and then when he got through the crowd, he was attacked by the bosses. I'll talk to you about that tomorrow morning. Our Heavenly Father, we pray thee that I may come upon this crowd of students, and upon all of us, executives and faculty members, the power that will help us stand. We're in the world of temptation. Ten thousand foes are rising to attack us. The devil hates the faith that we have and the gospel we preach and the testimony we give. Lord God, give us grace. Equip us. Build us up. Anoint us. Fill us with the Holy Ghost. And send us out to be faithful. Help us not to forget that it's not the shouting and not the crowd. Not always the big thing, but life's made up of little things, little things, little things. Getting a lesson, washing the dishes, praying, word of testimony here, keeping a date we have, not breaking it, writing a letter we ought to write. Say what we ought to say, being kind to children, respectful old age, not being older than we're supposed to be, staying humble before God and before people too. And help us to remember that whatsoever we do in word or deed, however little it may be, we're due for the glory of God. And help us to remember that we are taught in the Holy Word that if we give somebody a cup of cold water, in the name of Jesus Christ, we'll be rewarded. Our Father, we're looking to that glorious day when out of obscurity you will call up to be rewarded the unnoticed and unknown on earth that walk the lowly way but never fail God. 
some that have made the headlines may be lost in obscurity. Oh, God, help us to be genuine. Help us to be real. Help us to be true all the time, everywhere. And meet the obligations and keep our dates with God and our dates with people. And keep up our work and leave things in shape and not have a disordered life. Help us to be faithful. Do everything decently in order. Remembering that we are blood-bought, regenerated, born again. Children of God, citizens of heaven, strangers in this earth. Help us to so live that people observe as they observe Peter and John and say they've been with Jesus. Hear us in this prayer and keep us faithful. We pray in thy name. Amen.